You are listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast. And despite what the title may lead you to believe, this is a podcast about the joys and challenges of being a professional PHP developer. Your hosts are three passionate developers who make a living coding and who live stream every week to discuss coding, projects, work, tech, and running a business. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Van Johnson, John Congdon, and Tom Rideout. You're listening to episode 241 of PHP Ugly, your ASMR for developers. But you know, it's kind of sexy or calming or pleasant. But we do make noises that some PHP developers will appreciate. I'm your host, Eric Van Johnson, and with me is John Congdon. This template is used by integration test only. And Tom Rideout. Listen, listen carefully. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's, that's uh, ASMR. Perfect sound. Have you Perfect guys been noise. following this ASMR thing on Twitch? Uh, uh, n- not on Twitch. I, oh, it's not. I, I don't know if it's new on Twitch or not. I, I pop onto Twitch. I, I've gotten like I, where I hit Twitch now, pretty much every day. There's a few developers I follow who who. Uh, who stream during the day. And there's been this whole thing going on in Twitch with these hot tubs and these ladies and hot tubs. It's usually ladies. Occasionally there's a dude and I don't understand it. I mean, I'm, I'm a dude and I understand it, but it's like the amount of viewers they have just boggles my mind. Well, today, uh, you know, Twitch will suggest, um, streams to hit and today like none of my streamers are streaming so i'm like clicking through and i'm like what is i I noticed a few streamers tagging it asmr and i'm like asmr what what was this like somebody put up a stream in their backyard and just listening to like leaves and stuff what is it i click on it there's this whole thing right now on twitch under asmr of like these ladies licking these these ear microphones and whispering in them. It's like, you know, they, it is bizarre. And it's so, it just breaks my heart because the, the streamer I was watching, uh, was actually a a pretty, I I forget her name. Exactly. Careful. But you've, you've seen her, you've seen her tweets a lot. She, she's this developer who like makes these funny TikToks. Um, but she she was on there doing some JavaScript, and you know she she goes away, and she had like, and she's one of the more popular developer female developer streamers that I watch, and she had like I think fifty people watching her. These people doing these ASMR streams are like thirty forty thousand people watching them. Yeah. I'm like, what world do we live in right now? Why <laughs> why? Why is this going on? I'm I watched it for like 30 40 minutes. I mean, this is crazy. <laughs> this is nuts. Also, I mean, kids these days will not get off their phones. It's driving me crazy. <laughs> it's not just I don't, kids. I don't get I don't get that segue, but okay. Oh boy. I, I think yes, I think Tom is just tr- trying to well, should, the should, should we at least tell people what ASMR is? Instead of just like rambling about it for five minutes. Oh yeah, it's. I, I it, think it was uh, actually Sarah just posted in, in a Discord at discord.phpugly.com if you care to contribute. Uh, and oh my gosh, it's popping before the show even started. There's so many people in there. I know there's a lot. You should uh, you should join us and chat. <laughs> so it's autonomous sensory. Uh, what's this next word? Meridi- meridian response. Meridian response. So yes. It, where I when when I see that or when I hear about it, I think of like you know 
all the sounds of rain or the, the you know, like the, these like ambient uh, noise okay. so streams you listen to. It's not quite that. The idea was originally that that some people, they get a tingling sensation in their body when they hear certain sounds. And so people started recording just videos of them making sounds into microphones. And it became a weird, uh, quote unquote, not sexual thing on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out that uh, Twitch, a platform designed for teenage boys has a lot of teenage boys on it who would love to see girls make weird sounds and splash around in hot tubs. Yeah, it's disappointing. Very disappointing. Mm. Is is my mic doing the thing again where my my voice is deeper? I see uh, Buttery says says, that doesn't sound too bad to me. Yeah, what can I say? I I finally hit puberty. (laughs) The the other testy finally dropped. Well, uh, let's talk about that. <laughs> let's not. Let's think of anything else to talk about than that. Oh, uh, how about your weeks? How were your weeks? Does nobody want to know why I opened with this template is that, used by integration tests only, or should I just move on and pretend that I never said that? That totally. That totally is where I was about to take it, John. <laughs> well, let's 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 hear about it. Let's hear about your week and about what the hell that means. Oh, uh, my week's been good. I'm. I, Still loving event sourcing and unit testing. Got to help somebody, uh, a good friend of mine, with some testing earlier this week, which was a lot of fun. Uh, he must be a weak developer if he needed your help with something. <laughs> we got it. We got you straightened out. Got to got to teach fun. him a few tricks. Yeah. Not only did he help me with testing, but it was testing specific to Livewire because really? I wanted to start. I had the idea of okay. This client I'm working on, again, very cool person, very very open to me doing my thing, and I appreciate it, and I'm having such a blast. Not trying to hijack John's uh, week here. But I started thinking, like, man, I'm doing all this cool live wire stuff. I really need to write tests around it so that if something goes sideways, the first reaction is, well, it must be live wire. So I, I started writing live wire tests or test around all my live wire components and uh and i pulled john in i mean john i mean i need some help and we i mean we hashed out for about a half hour getting a few things yeah. working it was fun so i actually wrote some tests live wire tests did you continue past that or did you once we hung up you just stopped and moved on no i deleted all those tests we wrote i'm like nah, i don't need this it's fine <laughs> i got plenty <laughs> <laughs> no, no. no I, I didn't continue, but I, I I have it on my plate to do. I, I have one more component I need to do, and then I'm going to write tests around that component. And I actually have another component I need to backfill as well. So what are you using for testing LiveWire? PHP unit. Oh, okay. LiveWire, LiveWire has tests built into it. Speaking of... Uh, um... Never mind. That was a that was a weird transition that didn't really help because I was talking about the wrong library. So I'm going to go back to that later. Uh, the whole this template is used thing. It's great that people have integration tests. It's understandable to have a template that is used only in integration tests. But if you're a big company, say HBO Max, you probably don't want those going out to everybody. Well, why would that, ha- would that actually happen? Yeah, we signed up. Like my, my wife signed up for HBO Max because the kids wanted to watch something and. I guess it's included with our HBO subscription. And uh, so, yeah, today, just before the show, I got integration test email number one. This template is used by integration tests only. And I'm like, okay, so big companies have have mistakes too. It's like somebody screwed up their integration environment. Oopsie. We had a bit of an environment uh, problem this week. Mishap? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, uh, just one of those things that uh, you get the company-wide policy email that says like, hey, testing on every single thing. Don't screw around. Uh, also, no one but me has permission to do a lot of these high-level things now. And, you know, put the fear in people. It was, uh, it was a fun one. Been been very busy. Been writing lots and lots and lots of tests. Um, integrating with APIs, doing the whole thing. It's so weird working on an, uh, a really well-written code base. <clears throat> because you think, like, yeah, this is going to take... That's perfectly normal to me. It's, well, I... You should see this code base because you would just look at it and go, like everything is just so polished and perfect. And it's it's really stunning. Uh, it, it feels sometimes like it slows things down. You can't just write something and push it out the door the same day. But the quality that you get out of it is so impressive. So I've been doing that. I've been uh, upgrading my qu- my code quality and my tests. You getting more comfortable in the code base? That was quite a huge a concern of yours. Yeah, quite a bit more comfortable. Um in the areas that I'm working in, there's definitely black holes that I haven't seen yet. It's uh, scary, but yeah, I'm getting much more comfortable with it. That's good. Glad to hear that. You see, John, you, you bring it up, and all of a sudden, the topic is, is trending on Twitter. You're, <laughs> we have that much clout in the social webs now. You just mention it, and everybody rushes to Twitter and starts talking about it. Or, or maybe it was there before. I don't know. <laughs> it- yeah, because we've been streaming for more than two hours now, of course. Yeah, yeah, we just got out of our I, hot tubs. Yeah, darling, darling, data on uh, Discord is asking if anyone uses PHP Stan, and I have not used it. I've, I've seen it. Uh, you, you say that they make an amazing test to PHP Stan and PHP Unit. I always looked at it as one or the other. I've never really thought about using them in tandem. Yeah, what does PHP Stan bring to the table that's different? Uh, actually, PHP Stan is. It's not a testing framework. It's a static and anal- static analyzer. So I don't know why I even tried to equate the two. Uh, um, I, might, I might actually be using it. Psalm, the the big testing. I think isn't Psalm the big testing one that everybody's using now? There, there's a few. No? There was that one that we talked about on on uh, the PHP Magazine podcast yeah, last month as well. Maybe it was. was Psalm uh, Laravel has an, a new one. Uh, oh no, Psalm's a static analysis tool as well. So that's not even testing. Yeah. Pest. Yeah. Pest, Pest is that's the, the that's the Laravel, Laravel one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So yeah, right. I've been crazy busy programming. Yeah, and I'm Co- I'm enjoying testing. It. Yeah, live wire stuff, man. I, every day is just such a joy when I get to work with live wire. And I found myself today. <laughs> I've said this in the past on the podcast, and I stand firmly behind it. Livewire needs to become the de facto blade component in Laravel. So Laravel has its own view 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 component that you can use, which is essentially kind of like Livewire, minus all the cool JavaScripty stuff you can do with it, and. I had started using that in this project before I went to Livewire because I wasn't sure where they stood on it. And I talked to the client. I'm like, hey, I'd really like to, I'm seeing some real good spots to use this Livewire. And he was like, yeah, 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 fine. Just use Livewire. But now, now I have like stuff in Livewire components and I have stuff in view component. And like the view components bring nothing to the table when you have Livewire. And I'm like, why did I do this so fortunately it's not extremely challenging to, to to move them around because i can literally i mean i think in my head 
literally just dragged them into the Livewire folders, changed the namespacing for the ones that actually use uh, Logic uh, with Livewire, with uh, the view components. Because some of the view components are just um, blade templates that I include differently. So I, 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 I will probably end up doing that tomorrow because I was fighting myself over today because I, I was kind of beating myself up. I'm like, man, I just I have view components, I have live wire components, and there's just no reason to have the view components anymore. I, I, I still say LiveWire should be the de facto view component library in Laravel, period, end of story, full stop. There's no reason to have a discussion about it. We don't need to argue about it. We just need to do it. No. Or you can make a decision as a developer and and choose which one you want to use. That has that has been the the logic used for integrating things in the past in Laravel, so I can see that happen. (laughs) He'll just do it tomorrow. I'm sure Taylor's listening to the podcast. It's like, ah, you know, Eric makes a good point. I'm just gonna add it to the composer file. He listens, he listens live. So, yeah, that's been going on. But I do have – all right. So I have to come clean. Mm-hmm. I said last week on the show that I owed a week of coding to PHP Storm because I hadn't used it in a very long time. And honestly, I totally forgot about it until I reached out to John to do testing. <laughs> 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 and then I was like, oh, yeah, let's do that code with me thing. And so I fired up PHP Storm. Um, so I think what I'm going to do this week, because I'm getting very envious, I'm in a Vim Discord channel that just has some wickedly smart people in there who are just like going, you know, balls out on on Vim. And I'm just loving it. And I'm 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 learning all this new stuff. And I'm learning a lot of stuff about um Invim, which is something I, I use. This uh what is, I always forget the, uh, what is it called? Invim, ah, cock. It's called cock, Invim cock. I know, don't don't say anything yet, Thomas. Just give me a second. It's not, it's not a conqueror of completion, I think is what it is. Conqueror of completion. And how, how th- those two, you know, there's a lot of things in there that replaces a lot of plugins. And when I moved to Invim, I just poured it over my entire Vim configuration because I knew I could do that, including all my plugins and stuff. And so I have all this overlap now and I have in like the way people are managing their uh, dot, uh, their in Vim and Vim files now, you know, they're breaking them out instead of having it all in one file. So I'm pretty envious about all that. And I, and I want to take some time. So I think what I'm going to do this weekend is, Strip everything out of my invim. Start from a blank blank slate. I do this every five or six years, anyways, and I'm I'm due to do it again, anyways. So I'm going to start from a blank slate. I'm going to kind of start following some of the direction that uh, this vim people have been giving, and try to strip down what I'm using and why I'm using it, and really get an understanding of of what I have baked into my system without adding plugins and then start to build up from there. And why I, while I, while I'm doing that, I will take, I figure next week will be my PHP storm week because, you know, it's going to take me a while to really understand what I'm doing with some of this, you know, some of these new tools and, uh, in them and all that. So yes, yeah, that's my so, plan. So uh- I'm conf- I'm confused. You're stripping all the Doesn't plugins out. Me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, it, basically, I'm going to take everything out. I mean, uh, plugins, uh, 
all my configurations, all my shortcuts, um, all my key, all my Vim bindings. I'm going to take everything out and then start adding stuff back because, you know, I know what I use, like, that's muscle memory to me now. I know, I know what I need to have. And I'll, I'll start to slowly add those as I realize they're missing. And then, like I said, only add plugins where I'm, I'm sure that that functionality hasn't been integrated with the stuff I'm using. I mean, the Conqueror of Completion, I, th- this is one of the parts I'm a little confused about. I- I'm hearing people say you don't even need Conqueror of Completion anymore because the language servers that you can tie into, I'm like, that, does, that doesn't seem right to me, but I could be completely wrong. That's the sort of thing, like, I, I want to find out what I have and what I really need and make sure that this thing is that will will kind of sharpen tool that sniper scope, you know, everything tweaked exactly how I want it tool that it is. Um, so, yeah. So that's my, that's my plan. I want to, I want to hear about that. <laughs> what? Tom, Tom's got his little, his little <laughs> disclaimer. He throws up on the stream now. That is not a disclaimer. You just saw that? That is a, that is a flat out statement. I do want to see what you come up with. I do need to, to tweak my Vim a little bit more, but I don't use it for, my development. I, I do use it remotely when I'm editing, usually in production, because, you know, that's a thing. Uh, so it, it might be nice to to have those tools set up and ready for me. I like this. I don't know like that. I would... Bold, new John voice. This, this <laughs> kind of sexy. Man. Deep I'm used, I'm used to it. We, we get it in, uh, in meetings every now and then. So I, I thought it was first... just a Zoom thing. Yeah, exactly I don't get what I was about it. to say. This is the first time it's happened on on Skype. Normally it's only on zoom. So now I've been having, I've been having so many issues with this stupid machine and audio was a big one. I blew up at Eric last night. I was ready to, I was ready to do a fresh install of the entire thing because I couldn't get my headset working at all. I fought it for an hour and now I'm having these issues. It's just, it's driving me nuts. And then I'm, I'm tailing var log and I'm seeing messages like your system is too slow. It's like, oh my gosh, I paid way too much money to, for you to be telling me my system is too slow. <laughs> I I get these messages from John. John rarely talks to me after three o'clock, sometimes four o'clock. Uh, and I started getting these messages from him last night. He's like, I'm done with this system. I'm throwing it out the door right now. It's gone. <laughs> there were a lot more okay. expletives in it, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, way man. more that's what i i said i said so so there's an m1 chip in your very near future is that what i'm hearing mm-hmm. delicious <laughs> so, delicious m1 chip. I, if if docker performed better i would go back to mac oh really docker maybe, performs maybe great. Not. there's a know. native build now <clears throat> i'm using what? it I, I use it all day i used it all day but it, it wasn't it wasn't yeah. very performant heavy. I mean, it wasn't, it didn't perform great. It was slow. I mean, I knew I had to wait for response. Yeah. yeah. It easily added one to two seconds per page request for me. Mm-hmm. It, it was horrible. I, I wouldn't, I mean, I, I, I think, I, I don't think I would ever not have my Linux machine, uh, but I mean, if I were, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't say I won't say I won't ever go back to a Mac. I mean, there was nothing horrible about Macs. I, I was fine with it, except for whenever I tried to use an open source, source tool on it, it was it was brutal. I mean, even like the audacity I did for editing the podcast was just so stinking slow. It, it drove me nuts. But 
I'm happy with my desktop. I, I don't think I'm too concerned about it today. But uh, in Discord, Darling Data did ask what the difference is between InVim and Vim. I'm glad you asked this because uh, I had a general understanding of it before uh, because uh, John had asked in episodes past, but now I have a more under better understanding of it. Uh, so the the biggest difference and the, the thing that initiated it was in Vim, NeoVim was a fork of Vim. And it, the, it was around the philosophy of the maintenance of the code base. And that's pretty much what it, what the goal was. Uh, in Vim, there's this sense of a gatekeeper who does, who manages that, that project and does all their merging and all that. And in Vim is more community driven, uh, you know, people can submit pull requests easier. Pull requests get accepted and, and merged in directly. So those those contributors get credit. If you go to the in NeoVim repo and look at the contributor list, it's very long and they take a lot of pride in that. And the Vim one isn't so long. I mean, like when they had forked it, I think there was only one or two contributors to Vim because of this gatekeeping mentality they had. For better or for worse, I mean... You can decide as a open source uh, project owner how you want to allow other people to contribute to your code base. And, um, well, there you go. Thanks, Thomas. And and this is just how they had decided. Now, NeoVim does bring some additional functionality. Uh, they implemented uh, Lua in NeoVim. So you can write extensions in NeoVim in Lua, which... Obviously, you can't run in, in Vim, whereas anything written in, well, yeah. anything written in Vim script that you run in Vim, as far as extensions go, you can pull over to uh, NeoVim. That might change in the future. They're, they're, uh, they're introducing a new Vim scripting language, uh, so who knows? But Lua makes it m- much more approachable for people to write extensions uh, for NeoVim. So uh, there are, there are more, I, I feel like there are some interesting uh, extensions uh, packages coming out in NeoVim that you're not seeing translated to Vim. And then you can even use Lua. So I was talking about my key bindings and um, the fact that uh, I just had pulled over all my key bindings from my Vim days. You can write your key bindings and write these little scripts of functionality in Lua for NeoVim. So it does bring some additional things to the table. I don't know if how much I want to buy into that. I have already bought into using some Lua extensions, like Telescope was the big one. That was like, if you ever used Vim and you use like NerdTree or anything like that, Telescope is just so much nicer. Uh, I really enjoy it. Um, and I... I, I've been c- trying to shy away from that because I'm like, if I ever have to go back to Vim, I would like to still be able to just port my stuff back over and not have to figure out a bunch of stuff that, oh hey, I, you know, I, I can't use this extension. I have to rewrite this key, uh, this key binding because I wrote it in Lua. So I don't know. I don't know where I'm at with that, but I've been using NeoVim for about a year now. And pretty pretty happy with it. I mean, and I haven't even been taking advantage of the extra perks that come come along with it. So th- those are yeah, those are the two big differences. The hard part is, would be, like you said, jumping from machine to machine. If you don't install it on all your remote machines, because right. we have servers all over the place, and if you right. if you're so used to it the way you have it on your machine, it's not going to necessarily translate. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I'm just still, I'm still waiting for you to get onto the uh, the VS Code thing. It's God, it's so nice. <laughs> what? Been in Feel VS free Code? Feel to have that conversation. <laughs> no, no, just just VS Code in general. I mean, <clears throat> I've just I've been I spent a little bit of time this week streamlining it, just getting my my actions in it a little more smooth. And it's I mean to never leave the IDE to do all of my administrative stuff, like handling Jira tickets and pull requests and stuff like that. It's so nice. And I mean, well, you can do you can do that in PHP Storm, as far as I know. Yeah. PHP Storm was never as fast as VS Code is for me. VS Code is just so fast. But I'll take your word for it. I after you talked about VS Code, I I said, well, I, I should fire it up because it's been a long time since I fired it up, and it took me like forty five minutes to finish getting all the updates and restarting. And and by the time I got to a point where I thought I could use it, I'm like, I'm done with this already. I'm I'm already not that interested. Yeah, listen, listen but, I'm gonna hit. I have an update I agree to with you right now. I'm going to click restart I, to update. Click, I, I agree with I agree with you, Thomas. I think VS Code is a great product, especially for people who who you know may, don't have the money for an IDE. Opened and done. Or, Let's see, that's it. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I have you, no problem you, with VS Code. You, Tom, you were a, a PHP Storm user for years before this, right? Eight years. Yeah. So why? What's your Big takeaway, PHP Storm versus VS Code. So I explained it to a buddy of mine this way recently, is that because VS Code is a like an electron, basically an electron app, then you can manipulate anything in JavaScript, which is the first thing that they're teaching people in school nowadays. So everyone who's going to university for comp sci or basic you know, programming stuff, they're picking up JavaScript, looking for something to do. They've got their IDE in front of them, and they just start writing a thing for their IDE. So there's so many extensions out there. Now, granted, it's not a curated list like PHP Storm's extensions are. So you've, there's a lot of cruft, a lot of stuff there that you don't want to get into. But there is... Something for everything you could imagine doing in the IDE as an extension. Just just there and waiting for you to end. It it's very, very impressive how well it all works. So what what would be an example of an extension that you can't do in PHP Storm? I wouldn't say can't <clears throat> do, but I will say that in VS Code I have the Atlassian uh, plugin, the Atlassian toolbar. So it gives me access to all of my Jira integrations, Bitbucket pull requests, all all of that stuff. And in the footer of my IDE, I have a bunch of hot links to everything that's related to the project I'm currently working on. So if I need to pull up the ticket that I'm working on and see the text of the ticket, I can just click the ticket that's on the bottom of the screen there. If I need to switch branches or... It tells me I feel if I'm like, synced with the server. I feel like Tom is at the stage where my mom was when I'd go out to Arizona. I'd fire up their browser. There's there'd be like four or five toolbars. And, you know, all, every toolbar, every toolbar she needed because it had some bit of information in okay. there that that she you, had. To you have. just discovered ASMR bonsai, buddy. Don't don't tell me. I know that these are things you can do in PHP Storm. Uh, what I'm saying is that the, the integrations here are smooth and easy. Uh, I, I have my Docker containers managed through VS Code. Uh, I, like uh, I said, if you're not going to use Vim, you're just as good with uh, VS Code as you are with PHP Storm. It's they're they're both they both to me seem like they bring equal amount of benefit to a developer who can't seem to figure out Vim uh, to the table. So I, I don't. 
I, I'm hearing you, Tom, and I don't have a problem with VS Code. I, I think it's good. I just, I don't see a benefit to it, especially, you know, we, we've said it before. If, if you're a professional developer and you get paid to do this stuff, paying for an IDE is, is probably in your best interest to have that support, to have that. And I, I did, the one day I did the testing with, with John, I, I took advantage of the fact that PHP Storm understood Livewire a little better. And I was able to, you know, do a few things there that in Vim, I have to, I have to know what I'm doing when I do it in Vim. So, so yeah, I don't know what, if I don't have that in VS Code, then I would say, I would, I would lean, I mean, yeah, VS Code, I would lean to say that, uh, PHP Storm, especially when you talk about PHP specifically, right? Because VS Code is very much like Vim, where it's designed for yeah, any, everything. Anything. Everyone, right? PHP Storm, again, is laser focused on PHP stuff. So that's why they have a lot of that integration with Laravel and Livewire. You have things that you know, these other tools will miss. I mean, that's the one thing to think about. But hmm. in general, <clears throat> VS Code, PHP Storm, Whatever. And, and while we're having this conversation, I do want to bring up, we had a listener talk to me directly in Discord and has been getting upset about these conversations because they can go very like, you're, you're, you, you've said weaker developer before and <laughs> there's always this ID versus that ID. And I think we all agree, use the right tool for the job, whatever makes Vim you better a better developer. Yeah, I think we're all on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> Same page there, John. Vim is the best tool for everyone. Wait, was uh, that no I, I was, tra- I, I was tra- trying to, I, I was trying to, to solve things, but nope. Forget it. No, I'm going to no. get hammered no. for that weaker developer comment for years to come. I'm just going to. I'm going. To, yes, you I'm are. Gonna, I'm going to own it. I'm going to own it. I don't care. I'm not saying I, I. I don't agree with that. I'm saying I won't say it again, I, and I, I will. I will say it how and how re- it relates to me. I shouldn't be judging other people's skill sets just in general because I am horrible. I, I I am amazed that people pay me to do what I do. Like I should not we be. All are. I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, <laughs> I I don't blame you. I have the opposite of imposter syndrome. I think I'm the shit when it co- when it comes to coding. Like I think I'm better than everyone. <laughs> and then I see other people code. I'm like, I really shouldn't be doing this for a living. I I don't know why I'm doing this. I'll throw I'll throw you some of my code and you'll you'll feel small again. Don't worry. Huh? Some of the code I've been sure. working on has been. I just sort of look at it and go, "Wow, that's insane." <laughs> I, uh, I want to. I do want to see it then. If you, if you're willing to share, I want to see what you're talking about. Because... I'm not sure exactly what I can share, but I can show you some stuff. <laughs> I gotta show you, John. Did I show you what I did with the uh, live wire and the photo uploading and dragging and dropping and reordering? Yeah. Did I show you all that? You. Man, you did. You made was... you made a video and sent. Oh, uh, you sent it to the client so, and I and shared it with me. Oh, uh, so little coding. I mean, it was so little coding and no JavaScript. Well, a little a little Alpine, but it was. I did it. I did something similar today or yesterday where I always end up in this pattern with Livewire. I start to overthink it and I'm like, I I, I make the problem way more complex. And then I I start coding. I'm like, you know what? Really, if this was me, I would just do this. And it's like I do it, and that's what works. I'm like, this is nuts. I was trying to do a um, on, on this forum, I was trying to make it so that people could just uh, fill in their social networking information. And it, it, it 
wrote it to a JSON column in my SQL. And I was doing this with Livewire. And I was like thinking, you know, I, I was I was overcomplicating how to do it because I, w- I wanted it so that when they added it, it, it would pop up. And then ugh, I just overcomplicated it. I'm like, you know, if this was me, I would just take all this stuff in an array and then add it to the record. And that's really all it was. Like what would have taken me, I'll send you the video of this one. What would have taken me probably a day and a half of coding in PHP and Vue.js or React or some other JavaScript framework. I I got done in like 15 minutes with Livewire. Once once I once I stopped fighting my brain on it and just said, okay, simplify simplify the problem here and just just do this. And man, I tell you, did I mention I think Livewire should be in Laravel's base and stuff? Because I really feel that way. You did mention I, that. I've once. got yeah, Eric. I've got something to say after this. When you're in production, a thousand things can go wrong. You could deploy a bug in your latest release. Your background jobs can silently fail. Someone could trip over the network cable at your data center. And this all comes back to you. You need to know when bad things happen and be able to respond to them quickly. That's why we built HoneyBadger. It's easy to install HoneyBadger in your backend applications and front-end JavaScript. It only takes a few minutes of configuration and you'll have monitoring done. That's because we hook into popular web frameworks, job systems, and the browser so that when any of them crash, we can automatically let you know. We ping your application from our global fleet of servers to let you know about problems with connectivity, latency, and SSL certificates. And we monitor your recurring jobs to see if any of them stop recurring. When there's a problem, we alert your team using the tools you already use. We can create issues in GitHub, Jira, and other issue trackers, and send notifications via Slack, PagerDuty, or other channels. When you click through, you'll be taken to detailed information on the error. You'll see things like request parameters, headers, user information, and the backtrace. Click on any line of the backtrace to view it in GitHub, Bitbucket, or your local editor. When you fix a problem, just mark it resolved and follow up with the affected user. That's HoneyBadger, where the monitoring tool for web developers would rather be, well, developing. Thanks, HoneyBadger. Thank you, HoneyBadger. Sponsor of tonight's podcast, Honey Badger. We appreciate you. Yes. Uh, Eric, I I did want to bring up, when you were showing that drag and drop of changing the order, did you add in any sort of notification saying this has been saved? Because I noticed in that video, you made it clear that you drag and drop and it auto saves behind the scenes and there's no save button for the user to to click. Mm -hmm. Do you think that would lead to any sort of user astonishment? Like, oh, I didn't mean to do that versus... If I did it and I saw a little notification saying you, the order has been changed or your preferences have been yeah, saved. I, 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 I believe the little badge comes out telling you uh, saved. I don't remember seeing that. Yeah, I, I'll double check it. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it, 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 it it's already not like when I when my site goes. Full, so the client hasn't hasn't decided on design specs for the site. So I'm really working on functionality. So there's a lot of white space there right now. And when you go full screen, like you, you, you barely even notice the little slide out that says, Oh yeah, this has been saved. So I need to uh, probably bring that up. I, I did have another stupid realization this past week. And I, I feel completely dumb for doing this. And if anybody's been trying to use Tmux because I've been talking about it, 
and felt like you couldn't do it because you didn't have and you couldn't use your mouse anymore because that's how I've always used team uh John mentioned last week that with the mouse that we use you can do this like uh spin on it and it'll keep it'll keep spinning right and I knew exactly what he was talking that was, about that was me no it was John right we both Wasn't talked you, about John? it yeah oh okay and I, I remember thinking well shit that's actually one of the things I miss in Tmux because like when I was tailing a log file and I needed to go back, I, I would just spin that, spin my little mouse wheel, and it would just go, you know, it would scroll all the way back, and it, it was kind of fun, right? And now in Tmux, because this is the way I've always used Tmux, there's a key combination you hit, and then you basically have the Vim bindings. You can do Control-U to get, jump up, jump up, a page, jump up. That's always the way I used it. And I thought to myself, and I thought, I'm like, man, I wish I could use that little spin mouse in Tmux. That would actually be kind of cool. And I uh, I looked on Google and like it was one setting in my Tmux com file. And now my Tmux has like complete mouse support. I don't know why I would need that, but like <laughs> I, I have complete mouse support in, in them. So not only can I sh- scroll my windows, which I, again, I couldn't do before. And, and I just always accepted that as part of Tmux. I never really, didn't never really bothered me. Not only can I scroll my windows, but like I can click on panes. Like if I'm on one pane, I can reach for my mouse and click on another pane. Again, I don't know why I would do that. It just it just baffled <laughs> my mind. It's like I don't I can't believe I never looked into this because I've had friends who wanted to use Tmux but couldn't abandon their mouse. Like they they wanted to use their mouse, and I'm like, uh, yeah, I've always been like, oh, I'm sorry. I mean, you know, it's not a mouse supported platform. You just have to do your keyboard. Sometimes so- I I do forget how new you are to Linux because that kind of stuff is like just inherent to the very core of everything that Linux does. Like- I I am absolutely not new not, to Linux. Not- so fuck you for saying that. I've been using Linux for. Before you were potty trained, mister. So, fuck you. I just never used my mouse. So, finish your statement, and then I'll say fuck you again. Sometimes I forget how foreign the idea of a, of, of a mouse cursor is to you. Is that better? It's the fact that, That's it's, the fact that it's within a Tmux session, which is different. Well, so, okay. It's so, not, obviously, Linux has mouse support. It's a windowing system. Yeah, uh, I my introduction to Linux was when I was 14 and I built a Gentoo system from stage 3 which is like basically starting off the hardest way you could possibly start off and like when that fails you have to go to another machine and start an X Windows session on the other machine but point it at the new machine that you're building mm-hmm. because X Windows <clears throat> is completely uh, pipelined. It, it doesn't matter what system you're on. It doesn't care what system you're on. You can connect it through SSH or Telnet even, like, it'll connect through anything. It's just a, it's a fully piped system. Yeah. <clears throat> and so I my... Used to, I used to pipe my, um, I used to run a X Windows server on my Windows machine, SSH to my Linux box, and pipe the GUI back to it. Mm-hmm. And so you just didn't think about Tmux having <clears throat> mouse support? I never used mouse support in Tmux, no. It never, never, it never occurred to me even to try it. I, I just never... Like, mouse, the mouse to me was what I used in a browser... And on Windows machine, I, I didn't use it at the command line. I didn't use, in the terminal. I never used a mouse. It, it never occurred to me. And for the record, as it happens to be, I got started with Slackware, MySQL, and PHP all at the exact same time. Hmm. I, it was I, I've been doing all th- well. Not 
obviously not Slackware anymore, but I've been on Linux, Unix, Unix sort of machines, MySQL, and PHP for all the same amount of time. Yeah. Not not very good at any of them. <laughs> so d- does your mouse have a ball in it? Like, is, Let me is see. That... No, no, nope, just, just nope. a finger. Just a bird. Just a finger. Yeah, just just a bird. Bird. I got a PHP question for you guys and, and people in Discord, since we've got a lot of Discord people in. Um, I, I started, I, I thought I had a use case. The, I, again, using Livewire, I was overthinking something, but I almost used the Laravel. Uh, Laravel has a map function that you can attach to a collection. Are you familiar with this? John, I don't think you'll be familiar with this. Are you familiar with, with this, Tom? Say this one more I'm time. I'm familiar with it. I'm familiar with it in collections in general, not necessarily Laravel okay. collections. All right, collections. Okay, so there's the there's the map feature you can attach to a collection. Okay, we, sure. we you, you're yeah. familiar with that. Yeah. When do you use that, and what's the difference between using that as opposed to a for each? Because I thought I had figured it out today, and I'm like, no, nah, I can still do that in a for each. Like, why would I? Why would I use the collection map instead of a for each? It's very similar to a for each versus a for loop, where it's just doing one of the steps for you uh, in a for loop. It's you. You have to count how many elements are in your array or whatever. In a for each, it does it does that. It's it, it's more elegant because you're passing in a callback. You you yeah. can chain things together, so you're you're often going to chain well, your map so and filter and other. Laravel's collections do a for each as a closure, so they're very 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 similar. But map is looking for a successful match on some value first and then making a chain versus what? for what? for each in map in, no map yeah in if, if map it, well i mean i'll pull up i'll pull up the documentation and, and map <laughs> and map returns a collection me, right you're you're me, you're a, me, you're making changes to the collection and then returning that collection you're not returning let me ask, that collection. Let me you're ask you a question. changing the collection. Yeah. Let, me, let me ask you a question then with the map. In the map, the only thing you can change is the collection. And what I mean by that is you can't create, or can you? This is my oh. question. Can you create another value within a map that then you get you access outside of that collection? It is ret- you, you ultimately get yeah. a, so, a new so it's collection. Only, it only applies to the collection then. So I was wrong. It's not modifying the collection. It's returning a modified collection. So you have your you have your initial collection and you have the result collection as separate entities uh. Uh, versus each, which has basically the exact same syntax. Uh, but Ooh. it looks like each modifies the collection. That, wow. Well, the documentation isn't that clear on it. So each method iterates over the items in the collection and passes each item to a closure. If you would like to stop iterating, you may return false versus map, which... Well, he, well he's looking this up. Remember earlier in the show, I'm, I'm switching topics now because this is boring. Uh, earlier in the show, when I got all confused about, we were talking about PHP unit and I went to say something and was very befuddled. Yes. Next week I will have next week I will have stuff to contribute to the show. Uh, the creator of Xdebug, not PHP Unit, which is what I was about to say earlier, is going to be giving a presentation to one of our clients and their developers tomorrow that I get to be a part of, uh, mostly around Xdebug Cloud and just using Xdebug in general. So that'll be fun, and hopefully I'll have some cool stuff to talk about around that next week. So, John, since you brought it up. You, you made an interesting statement about 
my uh, video I shared with the live wire in the photo organizing, drag and drop organizing, I came across mm-hmm. something today that I thought was interesting that I, I didn't know was a thing. Uh, it's I guess it's a thing in MySQL, and then there's something in... Uh, uh, I don't know if it's PHP or Laravel. This is the problem with using a framework. I don't know what where the benefit is is coming. Or I think actually I don't think it's either because I, I was just using raw. Anyways, in that demo that I sent, those those pictures when they're uploaded, they ha- they they have an order by, and that order by is mm-hmm. null. There's no value to them. It doesn't get a value until the person using it manipulates the the order. So if they drag the order. It will it will then define an order of the picture. So I have an interesting problem, right? Because if you if you had four pic, you can only have four pictures uploaded at one time, right? Or I think five five pictures uploaded at one time. If you had five pictures uploaded and you set them in order, then it doesn't matter if you drag one or if you drag if you drag all five. The moment you drag one, it'll put everything in order based on how it is on the screen. And then if you delete that one and you upload a new one, but you don't change the order. That new one has a order by value of null. And the problem comes into play because the first image in the order is what's known as your primary image. And so mm-hmm. this this is the one that has like a big picture and then the, the rest are like these supporting images. And I had an issue where I'm like, okay, if they upload another one and it has null, I'm doing an order by uh, in my eloquent call, and it's like it's, it's going to put the null before number one because it's null, and I couldn't figure out. This is actually why I started looking into the collection mapping and the for each for eaching because I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to loop over this whole goddamn collection, figure out if the order by is null, and if it's null, drop it to the bottom of the collection, and and you know I, I was overthinking it. Are you aware that there's actually a SQL, a MySQL command that you can run that when you do when you call order by, you can tell it to put the null stuff after any numbers. I did not know that. I didn't know it either. It was the coolest I, thing too. I, as you started saying that, I was I was racking my brain. I'm like. There's got to be some way to do that in your query, but I didn't know it was as simple as an order by. It's a, so so the the method I ended up using was the one that a lot of people went with. I, I tested both these methods out, and they both work. Uh, so there is a is null command you can add to your query, and that will then just say, okay, if if it's you know, if you have this is null, then I'm going to put your null stuff at the bottom of your list, not at the top of your list. The cooler one I thought was that. You could do a order by, so normally you do order by uh, uh, um, order. Field. Order by Just display order, order right? or whatever you call it. Right, display order, yeah. If you put a negative mark in front of that column name, it automatically does it. I'm like, bullshit. There's no way that works. And it, damn it, that doesn't work. I was so <laughs> excited to find that. It, it doesn't work or it does work? It does work. It's shit like that is why I get so excited about coding every day. It's like I'm always finding these little things. It's like I've been doing but that's this long like, enough. I hate that because it's like an Easter egg. It's like you have to know to put a <laughs> negative sign there versus some other command that makes more sense. Yeah. And that's the big thing. It's like if another developer comes in there and sees that, they'd be like, how is this not erroring out? He has a syntax error right here. Let me <laughs> let me just take that negative out of there. There's always the just default the column from null to 
999 or something. That was the that was that was going to be one of my solutions. I'm like, oh, I, I, I'll just, I just cha- change the default to ten because, like I said, they're limited. At, they're limiting them to five now. They might they might extend that limit, but I, I couldn't see them extending it over ten. Ninety nine would have probably even been better, but yeah. All right, I gotta go check that out. That sounds cool. It was cool. Yeah. See, I'm I do a lot of if I do a lot of if null stuff in my in my SQL statements. I'm looking over the uh, the pipe operator V two RFC by uh, Larry Garfield. Might have heard of him, Larry. You know and, Larry? Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's there's some promising, cool stuff in there. Uh, it's not up for vote yet, but. It is classic two-thirds majority, and it allows you to pipe instead of nest in the same way that you normally execute uh, object-oriented stuff, you know, self-referential object-oriented mm. stuff. So <clears throat> when you have uh, get the current user's shopping list and the most expensive item out of it and the promotion for that item, right now it's one gigantic line of nested code. Piping it, you can just pass one value to the next, to the next, to the next. It's very interesting. Mm. I was scrolling back. Somebody had asked about object-oriented programming in JavaScript earlier. Where did they Figured ask we could that? Hit, hit that. It, it was at the, <laughs> it was at Discord. You know how to get there? Discord.phpugly.com. No, uh, he said, I've got a real concern about object-oriented programming in JavaScript. I'm almost four months on front end, but still got the question. How to use object-oriented programming in front or where use it or advice? Didn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, use, a, use a library or like a framework. Uh, don't try to write native JavaScript object-oriented stuff. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Let me ask you this that's, question. That's a nightmare. Because we brought this up. I, I get asked a lot what draws me to LiveWire, and I always tell them that I'm horrible at front end. I, I try to pick up a few JavaScript frameworks, and although a couple of them I got, but none of them stuck with me where I could just like pick it up and just start using it. I'm a PHP developer. The more stuff I can do in PHP, the better, and Livewire allows me to do that. Let me ask you, both of you, because you both use JavaScript frameworks, correct? Yeah. You. A little. Yeah, a little. Okay. What separates functionality, what delegates functionality to the JavaScript framework and not the PHP framework or code? Context switching. Context switching. Native JavaScript context switching is a living nightmare. And when you have to write code that says this dot me equals this, so that you still know what this is when you go a, f- a further one further object down in your list, it's a living nightmare. You can't. I that's this. This is the thing: is that jQuery was great. It was amazing because it had it kept you away from the context of the current thing that was being executed and just said, I I get what you're working on keep working on that thing but but you could still pass context around you could yeah you could pass context around but native javascript context it's it's a nightmare to try and handle in my experience i'm sure someone will tell me i'm an idiot but yeah like sarah goldman says here javascript's notion of this binding is bad and it should feel bad it does feel bad it feels (laughs) terrible or it laughs I, at you, one of the two. There are several IDEs that will apologize to you when you start referencing this, and they'll say, I know I shouldn't interfere, you're programming right now, but 
this is going to be bad. And by this, I mean this is going to be bad. It's terrible. <laughs> Eric, I completely missed what your question was to get him started down that rabbit what is, hole. What does the framework provide? What does the JavaScript framework provide? No, no, not what it, What does it provide. It's If you're a PHP developer, if your team are PHP developers, you're creating a, an application with a PHP core, but then you throw a JavaScript framework on top of it, what decision process are you making to say, okay, I'm delegating this logic to the JavaScript framework or JavaScript in general. It doesn't have to be a framework. I'm delegating this to JavaScript. I'm delegating that to PHP. I'm delegating this to JavaScript. It's just like if it's front end, it's JavaScript. If it's back end, it's PHP. Business logic, authentication, uh, uh, data manipulation are all back end PHP. Is it though? Uh, presentation, yeah, absolutely. Uh, presentation okay. is front end. Well, well, where was your question there, Eric? Data manipulation. So this is where I, I started. I started going off course a little bit with Vue.js. It, it's it seemed like there. Were, I I I would struggle to say okay. I, I of course I'm always terrible coming up with examples on the spot, but data manipulation seemed like it would be one of them. It's like okay. Do I want to manipulate the data here? And like validation is an example that that would that would get me right because it's like my JavaScript developers would be like, "Well, I'm doing validation." I'm like, okay, great, you got to do validation because JavaScript's the front end, so we want the validation for the the feel for the user. But I still need my backend developer to do validation because yeah. that's where right. it counts. Yes, yeah, you need it's both. like okay. Uh-huh. Why, you know, it just, I don't know. It just, it just seemed like that was duplication of work. And then, like I said, there, there, there would start to be certain aspects of it where it's like, okay, it seems like I can delegate that to JavaScript, but I really probably should keep that in PHP world. If it, yeah, there are times where there will be duplication, but the front end is a nicety for the user where the back end is a requirement. It has to be there, you know, validating. No, I totally validating. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's it's a duplication in the sense that the code is doing roughly the same thing, but UX and UI has its own place in the world where you have to. But see, this is what I'm saying. With with Livewire, I do the validation in PHP, and yeah, Livewire and handles. You know this? Well, it's making the AJAX call to fetch the error, do the validation. So, so listen, don't don't shit on Livewire and make these you know, random things unless you just did. You no, just did. So my point was, works? my point is, I can do my validation in PHP. I can do validation with Laravel validation rules that I'm familiar with in PHP, and my friend and user still gets that real-time response. I can get it to validate. I know you can do this in JavaScript, too, before you jump on your bandwagon there, Tom. I can validate while somebody's typing in the field. Of if the data they're they're typing in passes the validation yet, and it's just it's that t- type of stuff. It's like this is what this is what PHP or Laravel develops. Unfortunately, I have to say Laravel developers, right? Because Livewire, I haven't I haven't had enough experience. Symphony has some sort of implementation that I've heard about that seems to be kind of like Livewire, and I'd be really interested to get more details on that. But uh, Laravel developers, I just don't understand. It's like, I'm sure there's a need for JavaScript now, a, a straight-up JavaScript, uh, not just like Alpine JS in Livewire. I'm sure there's a there's a need for it. I don't see what that need is today. I, I don't know if but I is, would ever bring that. So was Tom right in the fact that 
the validation is an Ajax request to say, hey, is this valid? Yeah, it, it does make a call back, yeah. So it's not, it's just a lot of round trips that it's making, right? Well, it, well it, depends. It, it, it depends, right? I mean, if you want to do the real-time validation, yes. It, it, it'll make a call. You, you can have it make a call back after every keystroke. You can say make a call back every three seconds or three milliseconds. Yeah, a form but typically, But typically, you just uh, defer all that and submit the form and then it you just get that feedback after you submit the form of hey this data didn't validate yeah yeah so it brings up a good point if you're doing this on a mobile app and they're paying for mobile minutes that that could be brutal or just slow in that regard well and but i get your point you're 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 doing validation in one place yeah, but if you have a server load of of you know three hundred hits per second, and you implement that version of validation, now your server load goes up from three hundred hits per second to nine hundred. I'm, I'm sure you can make the same fuck ups with JavaScript, though. Absolutely, but what you can do with Vue is have a request uh, object send its rules to your view instance so that your view instance just syncs up with what your request objects look like. So the validation is programmed once on the back end and it's sent to the front end on initialization of the application or compile of the application. And then it's executed on both instances simultaneously with the same rules, just one on the front end, one on the back end. But you're not duplicating the code. That's doable. That's similar to what we're doing. The other Another example that I can recall with the, the view stuff is to uh, get uh, I, I forget. It's been so long since I've done it. Now I can't remember why I had a requirement to use uh, the View Router. Uh, so View JS. I was using View JS with the Laravel app, and I was doing something where I, I think I was doing the. Was I doing the thing where I was trying to trying to do like the spa app? I think that's what it was. Trying to make the make the application feel like a spa application where you weren't. It wasn't doing page refreshes, which again. It's the whole thing Livewire does, but we won't touch on that. Uh, but to do that, I had to use the view router. So I was doing routing in Laravel and then doing routing in view. And it's like, damn it, this really should all just be in one place. I, I will say the other thing with Livewire, I will walk carefully, don't worry, is that when I have a view application, the entire view application gets compiled together with Babel support. Oh, that's another thing. Don't get me started in NPM. I don't even need a PM with Livewire. <laughs> don't need it, John. No, but you also it, don't get it. Don't need it. <clears throat> so with our the, application, the problems I've had with applications over the past few years with Laravel applications specifically, ninety-five percent of the time fall on NPM and trying to do NPM and stuff. Don't disagree. However, when our Thank system, you. when our application loads, it's loaded. The whole application is loaded, so you can actually browse almost all of our site or our entire system without making Ajax calls. Because if something is cached into view, then we don't have to make a refresh call. We don't have to make a update call. So we, we pull up our integrations page and you get your API keys and you browse away from there and do some more stuff. Go back to your integration page, your API keys are still there. And we didn't make a new call to PHP because we've got a store, a value store in view. And the whole application, like I said, is already loaded. So a huge performance boost in our system is from Vue saying, I have the page, I just need the data. And when it gets the data, the data is stored and it fires off webhooks and events. It does some, uh, the web proxy web portal, the ports, open ports and stuff. I mean, like 
our system is blazingly fast no matter how slow your server is or how overloaded your server is. The system loads up the next page and says, I know what you're trying to do. I'm fetching that data. Here's some loading information. And it's very, very slick. And I know Livewire is awesome, but you can't do it with Livewire. You can't load the entire application in one shot with Livewire. So I think I think Eric's willing to take that challenge. I think Eric's vibrating. <laughs> He's sitting in his chair, rocking back and forth now. Fire, <laughs> lies. Oh, lies. no! Livewire, Livewire is super, super cool. Don't get me wrong, but Livewire has a place, and View has a place. And in a very high load environment, I would become immediately concerned about Livewire dragging down the the system on multiple in multiple places. First, rendering views, which I don't ever have to do. My PHP server doesn't render view. Doesn't, why are you worried about that? Because that why, takes why, time. Why, why, why are you calling Livewire out about it? Well, but you're, you're, you're making it clean. Like, this is like a, you know, I'm not going to say that, you know, don't move to Texas, but I would be afraid of moving to Texas and getting shot in the head by a racist. I mean, it's like, don't say it unless you, you, you have a reason for saying but it. For the, same, for the same reason that if you could compile PHP or if you're looking at these systems that are coming out like Roadrunner and Swole, those systems are faster by, by huge margins because they're not doing the PHP front-end loading stuff. They're not, they're not bootstrapping the framework. They're not rendering the views every single time. They're caching all these things. And when you when you have a view application that's totally separate from your backend system, you never have to worry about rendering your views. You just compile it the one time and send it out there as application.js. And that is faster and it serves more hits per second than hitting a PHP page, no matter how you cut it. So there's a place for it. But, you know, I'm I mean, I'm I'm currently working on building a system that could get hundreds of thousands of hits per sec and i we need that separation of the front end and the back end we need to know that the api is not dragging because the front end is rendering stuff or because there's constant communication between the front end and back end that shouldn't be happening or doesn't need to be happening so when i'm writing that application i say this stuff does or doesn't belong in the front end because i can compute it on client side or pre-compute it with compiling or i want to get an application out quickly, which is what Livewire really is for, is rapid software development. Eric looks like he's going to murder me. <laughs> Just trying to let you get your piece in. I don't don't need you talking about, oh, you always talk over me. You don't but let me say anything. They are. No, it's fine. No, you, you said your piece. You said your piece. <laughs> Whatever. I don't agree with you, but that's nothing different. I think Livewire is awesome. I think them is awesome. Piss off. I don't care. <laughs> All right. Are we good? Are we done talking well, about stuff? So, so Kevin brings up another thing that's interesting is that with two separate systems, with a, with a pre-compiled view environment, we are completely service agnostic. So if I'm hosting through CloudFront S3, an API gateway, or Lambda, it doesn't matter as long as the view application can hit the endpoints. But I could have a view application that was hitting static endpoints, and I could be doing static HTML with PHP that generated those endpoints that could drop my hits per second down considerably. So Livewire is awesome. I'm not saying <laughs> that, that that was perfect timing. Back. That could drop my hits per second and you froze up. Perfect. I was to say, was that, was that me or him? That was me. That was him. It was, it was perfect timing. Oh my gosh. That was, that was the best part of the show. <laughs> your, your M1 got tired of listening to you talk. That's, I'm not on that computer. You're, your M1 was just like, oh, God, Thomas, Jesus. <laughs> I, 
I, Electron is cool, or uh, a live wire is cool. Live wire is very, very cool, but it can't replace a complete view application. It absolutely can, and it does, and it will, and live wire will rule the world. I do like the idea. So that that was my whole thing with Vue when Vue.js came out, and I thought I was getting my head around a, a JavaScript framework. It's like, okay, this is it. I'm only going to write APIs from this day forward. I'm just going to write APIs. And I'm going to separate my back end and my front end. So I'll have developers who only do API stuff, and it'll go on this server, and my other developers can do front end stuff, and it'll go on this server. And that lasted all of a week and a half. Screw, screw JavaScript. PHP for life. <laughs> PHP for life. Piss off, Thomas, and your JavaScript yakky yakking on the show. I didn't even start I'm talking about Node. going to re- Replace you. I'm gonna replace you. I'm gonna replace all you. Oh, bums! I've been you know seeing who, you so know who many isn't people bums. getting hired. Let me hear it. Our patrons. You didn't clean that up one bit, did you? That's awesome. You wanna just clean that up really fast? Just, uh, let me just uh... <laughs> just, just take a take a quick quick breath there and uh, add it back here. Thank you. Who 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 to Tom? Our, to our patrons <laughs> on Patreon. Shut up. That's right. And we do very little advance notice. Professional. <laughs> we do have a new Patreon supporter who uh, was in our Discord. And I, I actually got goosebumps when he said this. Uh, I'm waiting for the name to come up. I'm, I'm trying to buy some time here because I don't know. Here it is. A. Hinkle. Uh, thank you, A. Hinkle. A. Hinkle in our Discord said that he finally paid off his student loans. Yes. And to, to celebrate, he was going to, he, he had already kind of committed to himself that when he paid off the student loans, he was going to show some appreciation to some people on Patreon that, uh, you know, he, he appreciates. And uh, somehow he made the mistake and clicked on our link. So I didn't correct him. <laughs> but that was very moving to hear. It's like, oh, man, it's just, I was, I just had a kid go through. A university, and fortunately, we were able to do it where we didn't have a debt. But if you're not in the U.S., maybe you don't understand that. And I don't even know if if a Hinkle is in the U.S. because I know this isn't a U.S. only thing. But like secondary education, like college education, is not a free thing. It's not a cheap thing, and it's a hell of a commitment. And it should be something that everybody has access to, and everybody doesn't, and it only helps divide classes in our country and the paths continue to have more and have nots don't. And it's a frustrating thing. I'm always happy to hear when somebody is able to pay off that debt. Congratulations. I mean, thanks for the Patreon support. Do appreciate that. Yeah, but congratulations. Huge, thank you, but huge congratulations. Yes. Oh man. That's just, just huge. It's that, that's the big. best feeling when that, when that gets paid off. I, I would be paying off mine still if it were not for, a very elderly uh, great uncle who had me in mind when he passed. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, that's nice. Met him like five <laughs> times total. But I, 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 you, uh, I, you, I, you would still be paying it off. Oh yeah, yeah. Not even college. Uh, it was micro skills. The now defunct scam. Of holy crap! You went San to, Diego. Was that why you were here in San Diego? I almost went to well, micro skills. I'm a San Diego native, but I when my mom said either get a job or move out, uh, I said, "What about school?" And she said, "Yeah, fine. You can live here if you go to school." So I went to school, and it was micro skills was the shit, man. Yeah, no, it was not. It was a scam. no, it wasn't. 
none of them were. Uh, the, even the one I went to was just like, I don't know. I forget which, I, the, the one I went to was in the same parking lot. I forget what it was called. I, and I shouldn't, I shouldn't knock them. I, I, I do, I did appreciate, uh, the, the stuff I got out of there. But it, <laughs> Sarah says, Sarah says University of Phoenix. I don't think it was that. It wasn't ITT Tech. It was, no. I mean, there, at the time when, uh, when parents were told that computers were the future, a lot of shady schools showed up all of a sudden. Yeah. For some these reason. Tra- these trade schools, but not yeah. really trade schools. Yeah, so I was yeah. I was one of two people who, who completed my program there out of, I believe, 90 that were in my class. Really? Holy yes. crap! And payment is up front with no refunds. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that was How, why such a low success rate. Uh, because it was the MCSE certification plus the uh, the Novell System Engineer certification uh, and the Cisco the CCNA certification. Which oh wow! When you signed I didn't up, I had all this. I don't. I have my MCSE. I didn't. I didn't take the Novell mm. test, and uh, once we got into Split Horizon routing, I dropped out of Cisco. But I'm the only one who graduated out of two people. I graduated any of the courses because when you signed up, they told you, "Yeah, MCSC, that's easy, oh, no problem. Who's going to worry about that? You can pass that, no problem." And they started with the A plus test, which had you repairing printers, and that that trimmed off about a third of the people already. <laughs> like, New Horizons, that's what I did. I did New. No, apparently they're still there. New Horizons is still there. I just looked them up. New Horizons is the one I did. Yeah, Code Camps. Yeah, that's that's right. Basically, Code Camps, but but it was for no, networking was, and administration. It was a two year program, though. It was it was a year of in classroom and then a year of on site study and testing. And they, yeah. I mean, they had systems. They had artificial networks built out before they had VMs that you could get into and build a, a multi-domain forest out of and do a migration from one corporate entity to another within a multi-domain forest. So it's stuff that I did, and I actually, they had the right equipment, but the salespeople knew what they were doing when they, they took a guy who wanted to not be a trucker anymore and told him to get his MCSE this year. Uh, that was crazy because I was working... I just, we just had our, our, our children, twins, and I was working, I, I'd gotten a promotion at work. I'd become a manager of, uh, these sites and I was working like 10 hours a day. I'd come home to watch the, the kids for like an hour or two until my wife got off work. Then I'd go to this, uh, training from seven at night until like, seven to 10 or seven to 11 and then wake up at five o'clock the next morning and just do it all over again. And Oh man, Holy crap. That was fun. That was fun. I'm I'm happy. Happy it's behind me though. All right. I think we are at a good place to call it a day. I feel like we actually talked about things and I, I, we have reputations to uphold of being a bullshit podcast. So (laughs) Uh, <laughs> Not like some should, other bullshit podcast that's obviously stealing our formula. <laughs> Thomas, Thomas is, uh, you know, I, I can, I I can never let you go show. quietly. You want to end the show nice and smooth, and I can never let you do that. All right, that's it. 
episode 241 is in the books. I'm Eric. I'm John. I'm Tom. Keep it, Keep ugly. it, Keep ugly. it ugly. One, two, one, two. Uh, coming off the top. Y'all know how we do. Listen, I'ma drop a freestyle you can cherish. I'ma send a shout out to the host named Eric. Yo, he's never on some average shit. You know, Eric, he stays loud and passionate. I'm about to break it down for y'all with the clever song. Yo, shout the host named Thomas cause he's never wrong. Yo, shout to John. You know that he's smart and quiet. Unlike my freestyles, which cause a riot I'm about to do it like this, cause the people love me Shouts out to PHP, the ugly It's called ugly, cause it's not professional But I'm about to come through and bless it with style So let's do it when I'm spitting, I perfume the room Yo, the segment of the show is called Doom and Gloom That came from Thomas, yeah, can nobody go beyond this I get the mic and then I'm about to keep it like a promise Yeah, and y'all know we fill them up with anguish We talking about the PHP, the program in language, about to break it down, no exaggeration, what do y'all do for a living web applications, okay, I can dig it, my words spray tight, uh, they getting together on the Thursday nights, yeah, when it comes to rhyming, you can call me the new dude, I spew true lyrics while y'all broadcast on YouTube, so let's get it, you know my lyrics are major, all up in the comments, they got plenty of haters, but they doing what they doing, keep it ugly, we ending every show with the saying, it's lovely, let's go. Yeah, come on.